0: Hey guys, it's uh, Andy here in another episode of the Mountain Malarkey Podcast with Dave. Hello everybody. How we doing Dave?
1: Yeah, not bad, not bad. Got something a little different today.
0: Very different, yeah. So what we've done is we realised that uh, when we do the Tuesday tune-in over on Facebook, um, which we've been doing during lockdown, we had some comments and requests around, um, you know, not everyone's on Facebook, but people still wanted to hear about the content. There's been some great stuff. We've yeah. talked about bags. We've talked about Battle of the Treks. we talked about trekking boots, mindset, fitness, loads of stuff, and we thought to ourselves, well, why don't we turn these into podcasts because, like you said, Dave, they're, they're Sitting down listening for an hour?
1: Yeah, exactly, yeah. And uh, we've got a couple of we had a couple of special guests, didn't we? We had a we new did. head of operations over in Nepal. Yeah. Uh Lee Wardle, Ironman Triathlete, um, gym owner, an all-round nice guy. Um, yeah, and there's there's so much good information and good content there that and not everybody is on Facebook or yeah, can sit there and watch a video for an hour and a bit doing nothing. So yeah, this is a great format. You can do it on the go, put it in your car, listen to it. It's a bit interactive, so you're going to have seen us answer questions and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a bit different. Um, you know, But if you're listening to this, obviously, yeah. um, and you have any questions about any of the things you hear, uh, podcast.evertrack.co.uk.
0: Awesome, Dave. Yeah, enjoy the episode, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon.
1: Yep. Welcome to today's Tuesday Tune TuneIn. Um, I've got no one to really ask if I'm live yet, except for maybe you guys. So if you're on, give me a shout out, give me a message, say hello, say something in the comments. Please, um, as you can see, uh, it's just me today. Um, so we're going to wait for confirmation of the live. Um, there we go. Shiona, Tina, Daryl, how's it going, everybody? Um, yeah, so welcome to today's Tuesday tune in. As you can tell, I'm going to be flying solo today. So um, please, I've got a couple of things I need from you to help me. Uh you need to ask lots of questions because otherwise I'm gonna lose my voice and everyone's gonna get bored of hearing it because I've got no co-presenter. Why? Andy is all the way over in Peru at the moment. Um he's done a little trip over there just to uh, meet the team and um I think he also went to Machu Picchu as well. So obviously it'd be rude not to while well he's there. Um hey Bri Bri, hey Marky V, how's it going? Uh, Marky V's just popped on to tell me he can't make it. We'll catch up later. No worries, Mark. Uh, I'm sure that you've got something more important. I can't imagine what that would be, but yeah, happy for you to do it. Hey, Stuart. Hey, Andy. How's it going? Um, awesome. So what are we going to talk about today then? Well, as you can see, I've done vaccinations. That's a kind of like a little COVID monster. That's a little needle, obviously. Um, But yeah, it's really more about sort of health overall. We're going to touch on the vaccinations as well. And I've got the team already primed out there. We've got Jodie on the comments. Um, I did try to get her on, everybody, but it was impossible. She's not having none of it. I think because this Tuesday is technically a Monday, um, we're all a bit, um, yeah, hands to the uh, grindstone, as they say. But yeah, um, we're going to talk about sort of health conditions, injuries, Um, We're going to talk about vaccinations, what you can do to keep yourself healthy when you're on the trip, what you can do to keep yourself healthy pre-trip, and also, you know, any specific things that you need to take care of before you go. Um, You know, one of the top ones is, you know, what vaccinations do I need to go here or there? Um, I'm going to get Jody to put a link in in a moment um, to the Nomad Travel website um it's where i at least get the list of all the vaccinations that i need it's really handy it shows you the ones you absolutely must have and it shows you ones that are optional as well so yeah as you can see one day maybe yeah i I, I, i'm sure she can hear me through the wall but um yeah jody plays it an absolute blinder at that yeah 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 yeah, i'm sure we'll do it yeah um but yeah awesome we'll crack on Um, Yeah, like I said, any questions you guys have, and it doesn't necessarily have to be about vaccinations, it can be about things that have happened to you, um, any health conditions that you currently have that you perhaps want to get some experience on or some information on before you go on a trip, um, it's really important. Um, Yeah, so first thing we're going to talk about, I suppose, we will start off right with the vaccinations. Um, They are vitally important, and obviously they become, it's almost, I think, Uh, You know, probably the third most popular word in everyone's vocabulary is like vaccine vaccinations lately over the last few years. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it is really important. Um, There is obviously two sides to this. One of them is what general vaccinations do you need? And then obviously which countries require you to have the COVID vaccine? Um, and to what level and things like that. So, yeah, we'll 100% be talking about all of that. So, first of all, the one thing I want to say about the vaccinations is that I have absolutely every vaccination going because it just makes travel that much simpler and easier for me. Um, I've never really had any negative effects from vaccinations other than maybe feeling a bit rough the next day. Um, you know, and that's, I think, part for the course, you know, a bit of a sore arm. Um, but, yeah. So a lot of them that uh, you need to go to Nepal and Tanzania, like the standard ones, they're the ones that you already know of. So like, you know, hepatitis, typhoid, things like that. There are a couple of extra ones, the ones we're probably going to talk the most about, which is do you or don't you, the optional ones. One of those big ones for me is the rabies vaccination. Um, It always pops up when we're talking about visiting Nepal, Um, and it should be on the topic of conversation for any time you visit any country where there is rabies. Now, I am fully vaccinated for it. Um, but it is an optional one because obviously it is a little bit in your control. You know, you can stay away from things that might potentially expose you to it. So, you know, feeding animals, petting animals, stuff like that. I'm a nightmare for it. If I see a cute little dog or a cat, it's getting pet, you know? So yeah, I'm completely covered for it, but it is one of those optional things. I think we've talked about it before where I'm fully, um, vaccinated for rabies, but Andy, um, isn't normally um so yeah he just kind of stays away from the animals and things like that it's not really that prevalent in Nepal um you know it's not one of those things that is like a massive massive concern um but it is there so if you're like me perhaps a little bit um what's the word hypochondriac maybe <laughs> um and you want, and you want to just have that peace of mind then yeah absolutely you can do it um so yeah we've got a quick question here from Haley. i'm gonna be kind of dipping in and out guys because you guys are the only ones that i can talk to today um what about the cholera uh, sorry Haley says um great topic timing just got a list from my docs recently to know what i have already versus what i need can't wait to get up to ebc yeah absolutely um you know Haley, if you scroll up a little bit here you'll see the evertrek link in there for the nomad travel clinic um, I, I we always say go to your GP first, talk to those guys, but sometimes they don't always have the supply, um, and you're not able to get it on the right timings. Um, so I tell you, I tend to go to these like specific travel clinics. It does cost a little bit of money, but it means that I can almost choose and dictate when I have it, um, because they have like a dedicated supply just for that purpose. Um, uh, Paula Brewer, have my rabies. Like Dave, I can't resist a fur baby. Yeah, Paula, I'm the same. You know, if I see a little uh, little dog or a cat or anything, the only thing I stay away from in Nepal is the monkeys because, um, yeah, I've seen they, they they don't mess around those things. They may look cute and adorable, but trust me, they, that's they, that's just for show. Um, Becky Miles has said, what about the cholera vaccination? As I heard, there was an outbreak in Kathmandu recently, going in November, if that helps. Um, yeah, so... I've heard certain things like that, but I've heard a lot about that. A lot of third world countries, South Asian countries, and stuff—they do still have those, um, those like outbreaks and things like that. So that's not in itself unusual. Um, one of the things, yeah, you can do is have a look on the link, um, and I'm pretty certain you can get vaccinated for it. I'm not sure if it's one of the ones that's, um, you know, uh, let's have a look. Not one of the ones that's, you know, mandatory. Um but yeah it certainly could be. So I'm gonna have a look at that now and put it in. Um so literally this is it in real time. I'm using the link that um Jody just posted in there. As you go onto the page, you'll get like um you know some information on sort of vaccinations, malaria, tablets, medical kits. Um there'll be some numbers that you can call and book online. So they've got London, Bristol, Cardiff, Manchester. Um and yeah, and I'm literally now gonna put in Nepal. Um and we're gonna find out what we need. Weirdly, I just ended up in Burundi, so that's not great. Um, There we go. So if we click into Nepal, so all travellers have to have diphtheria, hepatitis A, tetanus and typhoid. Um, Some travellers may require the cholera, Hep B, Japanese encephalitis, MMR, rabies and yellow fever. So a little bit of information about that. So I've pretty much had all. I think I've cholera, hep B. I haven't been vaccinated for Japanese encephalitis. Um, I've already had the MMR and I'm uh, covered for rabies. Yellow fever is not one that's, um, you know, that it depends on where you're coming through. So, for instance, I know that comes up a lot when we talk about traveling to Tanzania for Kilimanjaro. And if you're coming from the UK via a country that doesn't have a yellow fever risk, you don't require the vaccination. If you're coming through places like sometimes people travel through Kenya, and then I do believe that you do need the vaccination. Um, If you're concerned about whether you do or whether you're exempt, you can go to your GP and they can give you an exemption letter. Um, I know some people have had that as well. So, yeah, that's all good. Let's have a quick look here. Stuart Taylor, saw the post the other day from the Tanzanian government about health survey. Is this anything we need to be looking into before Kili? Um, As far as I'm aware, it doesn't actually, um, you know, it, it's more of a data gathering exercise at this stage. I have asked the team to provide me with some information on it, so I'm waiting to hear on that. But I think it's just one of those things that um, is, is, you know, not going to buy you entry, but uh, perhaps needs to be um uh, consider before you go. I'll certainly look into it. Um, and uh, if yeah, if it is of any concern, Stuart, I'll let everybody know. Uh, Kea, you heard there were leeches. They are leeches. They're now, as it's monsoon time, do we encounter those on the EBC Trek? So good question, Kea. So uh, there are leeches in Nepal, particularly in the lowlands where you have the wet, um, you know, the wet earth and stuff like that. Um, you're not going to experience any on the EBC Trek. Some people, they fly Not to Lukla, but they fly in a little bit lower from Jiri. Um, And then that requires like some walking through some like wet farmlands and stuff like that. It's possible to pick up a couple then. Um, If you go into Chitwan um, before or after the trip, certainly there's a risk there. Uh, But generally speaking, if you get, um, you know, just do the normal EBC trip, arrive in Kathmandu, fly to Lukla, do the trek, fly back to Kathmandu, you won't come into any... um, Yeah, any contact with any leeches or anything like that at all. Um, Yeah, so it's all good. Um, Yeah, so Hayley Brimble said, yellow fever definitely needed if you're flying through Kenya. Yeah, so if you're flying back through Kenya, 100% check that out. If you're not, then you shouldn't need it. Um, I've never brought, I've been to Tanzania a few times now and I've never, I've just not been vaccinated and I've never brought anything to say otherwise and I've never been asked, but I do know some people have brought um, a yellow fever exemption Form just to hand over to immigration if you do get that asked, yeah. So something to consider. Um, Ryan said I was advised by my GP to just go to a travel clinic as they're not doing them themselves at the moment. Yeah, Ryan, I had the same thing when I first went to EBC in 2016. I wanted to get the rabies vaccinations. I wanted to get all of these things. Um, And when I went to my GP, they had a very short supply uh, because obviously they're servicing everyone in their community for all sorts of different reasons um you know you have people that work in um any environment where they might be exposed exposed to like blood so hepatitis is an issue um you know and, and that's not just for us travelers when you go to the travel clinics they are pretty much designed specifically for those people that want to go traveling so it's a much um you know more niche community that they're servicing so yeah all good uh, uh, yeah, Georgie, three days to go. Where are you working today, mate? Um, usually you're in some sort of engine, septic tank. Don't know. Yeah. yeah I, 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 what you do in there anyway, Georgie? Are you like a welder or something? Um, yeah, I've always wondered. Um, I'm sure you've told us, but yeah, I can't remember. Are you a mechanic or something? Yeah. Um, yeah, so one of the other things to consider as well, so is uh, rabies. Um, no, sorry, not rabies, is... Um, so i'm not thinking very well today is uh, malaria so when you go into tanzania um malaria is is a big big concern and it's something that we you know we tell everybody you have to have to be covered from malaria it's not one of those things unfortunately where you know with things like yellow fever and any disease they want to prevent spreading they do checks at the border to make sure that you're not going to be doing that because they malaria is already there um you know, no one no one checks if you've got your medication or not. So it, the onus is on you to make sure that you have it. Um, yeah, and I 100% think that, you know, it's really foolish to go to Tanzania and not bring any kind of medication. Some of the big things that have been in the news, if you look at what happened to Cheryl Cole, Cheryl Tweedy, don't know her name. Anyway, but I know that um, there was a story where she got really sick um, with malaria from Tanzania. And I think Ross Kemp, um he went out there as well and that's just you know some two popular names that you can pluck out there are countless many other travelers that go there risk it and end up experiencing um malaria and they do have the really uh dangerous type over there as well that affects the brain as well cerebral so i think yeah 100 percent get that covered um the couple of times that i've been out to tanzania so the first time that i went out there i used um doxycycline uh doxycycline Doxicillin, which is an antibiotic. Um, It's a little, honestly, I wouldn't use it again in my experience. Now, there are some people that have to use that because they'll have had a reaction to other drugs or whatever. But yeah, I certainly um, think it's a bit of a pain in the ass, to be honest with you, because you have to take it for such a long time. Um, You have to take the antibiotic, I think, a week before you go, the whole duration that you're there, and then four weeks after you come back. That's a long time to be taking antibiotics, um also with that it says that you're not supposed to expose yourself to direct sunlight well that's a little bit of an issue going to africa and there's also uh altitude as well so when you go up high in altitude the um uv is so so much stronger um so yeah you have to make sure that you're not you know blistering or anything like that um the added bonus is that you are taking an antibiotic i guess so it's um you know it's going to help you with any other little thing you might tend to pick up Um, But personally, for me, I'd rather not take antibiotics unless I needed them. Um, So, yeah, the second time I went, I actually took malarone. Um, That's much simpler to take. You've got to take it, I think, two or three days before you go, whilst you're there, and then for like a week after you get back, so much less time. Um, And I had zero side effects from it. The only thing I had was I totally forgot to take my tablet in the morning, so I took it at night and the dreams that I had were like, they weren't like nightmares, but they were like, it was like it was happening. It was like incredibly, I don't know what they call it, like lucid dreaming or something like that. They were really trippy. Um, Yeah, and uh, I'll be honest, not unpleasant, but um, yeah, best thing to do is take them in the morning so you don't have that. You just have a good night rest uh, uh, when you go to sleep. But I think, yeah, 100% that's the two. There is others as well, like there's a drug called larium. Um, I've heard so much weird stuff about larium that you know it can cause all sorts of like mental disturbances and stuff like that uh someone might be able to help me as well because do they i don't know whether that's the only one that's safe for pregnant women or whether it's absolutely not right for pregnant women so i'm not going to offer any comment on it but yeah if you look up larium you'll hear you'll you'll see some crazy stories but apparently crazy effective uh looking after um uh what we call it uh, malaria so yeah another important thing to to say as well is when I was out in Tanzania, I did hear a few people say that you don't need to take it whilst you're up on the mountain because there's no mosquitoes there. Um, It's not true. Um, They are on the mountain. All right. They're in far less numbers and they're not. um, I don't know if they're the malaria carrying type. All I know is uh, at least up to camp two, which is Shira one. So we went to Big Tree, then Shira one. We were still like swatting them on our arms and stuff like that. Um, Yeah, so don't don't introduce any break in it. Just take it like you're supposed to, right from the beginning, right from the end. Um, Part of why they get you to take them for those few days before you go. One is so that you're already protected from the moment you land. But second is to weed out any kind of like reactions that you may have to it in enough time that you're not left out there not taking them. So really important to take them as prescribed. Um, yeah. And uh, so the, I think the most important thing about vaccinations is obviously is speak to your doctor first, just to make sure that they don't conflict with any other medication and they are safe for you personally. And secondly, then, if you go from um your gp to a, a travel clinic yeah just let them know exactly where you're going what altitude you're going to because they can help you out with lots of prescriptions you know for stuff for like diarrhea and travel sickness and um and altitude sickness as well so yeah awesome um i'm gonna answer a couple of questions and then we'll go in to talk about like some general health stuff and uh yeah uh again apologies uh that i'm just it's just me rabbiting on today um one of the things that's quite difficult when you do these podcasts on your own is that you do have a tendency just to keep talking until you may have coast drive so if you don't mind um oh i can see brian smith You had larium in sierra leone back in 2000 while serving never again make crazy dreams and other side effects yeah you know i've heard about that uh brian i've heard that larium is actually was a big cause of um a lot of stuff uh you know people who are like ex-forces and stuff like that that um, have come back with all sorts of, st- of, of different type of issues. You know, I read a story where one person ended up with some form of PTSD from malaria. So, yeah, crazy. Um, so, yeah, what we're going to do is we're going to answer some questions and then we'll talk a little bit about injuries. Um, yeah, I've got a few things to say about that, if, uh, if you can imagine. Um, so the first question we've got is from uh, James Welsh. Um, I believe he's emailed this in hi if having suffered twice previously from altitude sickness would taking medication assist me um yeah james 100 percent. i think there are medications out there that'll help you with altitude sickness um the one that we talk about a lot and will probably um you know mention a few times in this live is diamox um but diamox is just one piece of the puzzle that you need to put together so whenever someone has suffered from altitude sickness previously especially if it's more than once, um, I'd always like to say to you, okay, just revisit what you did and consider a few things. One of them was how fast were you gaining your altitude? Did you have big jumps day to day? Two, how fast and hard were you walking and trekking? Um, Because the more you overexert yourself, um, the more likely you are to, um, you know, exhaust yourself, get tired, and then you start to experience it. So it's important to gain altitude gradually, and also day to day, not overexert yourself. There are times where you are gonna empty the tank and you're gonna like, you know, really, really push it. That's unavoidable, but it's about those days when you do have the option, you know, just to rein it in a little bit and go a bit slower um, and just consider the consider the fact that, you, you know, you wanna be healthy higher up. The other one is how much water have you drank? Um, it's a real big thing that when you're um, uh, acclimatizing, your body needs to stay hydrated. Um, if you stop drinking and you start to approach, you know, a dehydrated state, um, you stop acclimatizing. That's the, that's the maximum you'll get to. Um, so really important that when you are acclimatizing that you drink plenty of water. And that's to replace what you've lost through exercise, but also a little extra as well. So we always say a minimum of like three liters a day. Um, personally, I probably get closer to four, four and a half liters because I'll sweat two liters out of easy you know, on a, on a hot, hard day. Um, so that does need to be replaced. And, um, and also, yeah, the, you know, what did you do? Where were you? So when, if you went to Kilimanjaro um, and you did like one of the four five day uh, trips to the summit, sometimes that's too fast for some people. We all react to altitude differently. The slower you gain your altitude, the better everyone acclimatizes. Um, so if you went on a trip to Kili and you went up very quickly, Um, you know, consider doing a different trip on Kilimanjaro. The one we do is um, the La Mosha route, which is eight days. And pretty much from the summit, it's like back down to camp and then back down. So we take pretty much like, you know, eight days to get, um, seven days to get up and only one to come down. So, yeah, hopefully that helps, James. Uh, Graham Field, uh, I'm off to base camp on the 22nd of, 27th of October and just wanted to clarify the issue of vaccinations and jabs. I'm up to date with the compulsory vaccines. However, I have not had the following, yellow fever and Japanese encephalitis. Can I confirm that these are not compulsory, just advisable? So uh, 100%, Graham, you do not need those two. They are advisory. And those things are really about when you're in the lowlands of Nepal. Um, The information that I had when I last spoke to the travel clinic was that when you are at a higher altitude, Um, things like Japanese encephalitis and yellow fever are not an issue. It's more if you head into the lowlands of Nepal that they become um, a problem. So the reason they're advisory is because it's dependent on where you're going. If you're going to altitude, then no, you don't need those two. Um, Kathy, 60-year-old reasonably, hang on. Uh, I'm a 60-year-old reasonably fit woman with very mild asthma associated with exercise. You do not use it every day, but only with moderate exercise in, e.g., a 30-plus mile cycle ride. Uh, Would I be able to do either Kilimanjaro or Machu Picchu or preferably both? So, Kathy, hundred percent, we've had people with asthma. We've had people with asthma reach EBC, the summit of Kilimanjaro. I even know of people that have uh, chronic asthma that have summited Everest. So if it's exercise induced, um, I do know that that can, again, it's about how much you're exerting yourself. Um, So the one thing that we would say is that, yes, do bring some medication and an inhaler and anything you need, because um, if it does happen at altitude and you have some form of asthma attack, um, we want to be fully prepared to kind of look after you, and you need to let your guides know and your insurance companies know and all of these things. So should you have an incident where you need to be plucked off by a helicopter or the guides need to help you, you're fully covered. But in order to kind of put your mind at rest with regards to can you do these trips? 100%. Andy, who is normally here, or this side, I me, mean, um, he's had asthma all his life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, whenever we go trekking, whether that's in Wales or in the Himalaya, he always has, like, an inhaler on him and then another one with the guide. Um, yeah, so if he does need it, it's there. But 100% it can be done. Asthma does not preclude you from going to altitude. It's just uh, one more thing we need to manage. Um. Yeah. So, having a look now. Peter Chapman, hundred percent booking Killy trip. Awesome. Thank you very much. Uh, and you want to go when it's drier? Um. And you think near the end of the year? What do I suggest? Hundred percent. I think um if you want to go when it's kind of drier, I would say December to sort of February March would be a good time to go um it is kind of the wintery period there i summited kilimanjaro in february and it was amazing the one thing i will say it's almost impossible to enjoy uh, to avoid rain on kilimanjaro um it always showers at some point during the day because it's got its own like kind of giant microclimate so that's something to consider um on kilimanjaro actually a lot of people use the rain ponchos um you know but just because it does happen to rain really quickly and then stop so we just you know throw those ponchos on keeps us dry for the 10 15 minutes an hour that it's raining and Then we rip it off and then it's fine again so yeah that's all good um yeah what i think i'll jump on to now is we'll talk a little bit about injuries because i can hear some uh, uh we've had lots of questions about it and you know i've talked a lot about what i've gone through um and also there's one one thing i'm going to talk about that happened on the weekend um which I suppose isn't strictly related, but we'll talk about it anyway because it involves an and I want to shout that guy out. Um, But yeah, so part of the thing that I do for fun, I have two things that I do pretty much. I do mountain biking and I do trekking. Um, They kind of cover both sort of parts of my personality. So with the mountain biking, um, yeah, it's absolutely just for the thrill of it. There's a little bit of danger. And then when I went uh, and when I go trekking, that's more the other side of it, the peaceful kind of mountain world but um yeah you know, when I went mountain biking I suffered a knee injury um, in a crash and it uh, I completely separated my ACL so I had lost that ligament um, I fractured my knee um, and in, in both sides of my kneecap I had a fracture and I tore my MCL ligament and I tore my meniscus uh, the cartilage in there so really you know just rendered that knee useless for about six months. Um, until after I'd had the surgery and got it fixed. And honestly, there was a time when I honestly thought to myself, you know, wow, am I going to be able to function enough? And am I going to be able to train enough? Um, And I absolutely, you you certainly can. You do have to adjust. So if you are nursing an injury or if you have a chronic condition like arthritis or something like that, that also doesn't preclude you from training and doing these things. It's just a kind of an adjustment in what you used to be able to do versus what you can do. Um, I've also had to make some tough decisions about my knee as well, which um, you know, which is important not to beat yourself up about. One of them is, the most recent one, I was trekking um, the Great Glencoe Challenge in Scotland, um, and on my way to the halfway point, I was soaking wet and covered in mud, but I was feeling great. You know, The legs were fine, I felt really good, and then uh, all of a sudden my knee just locked up straight and I fell over, uh, and although I really wanted to finish and get the medal, um, I thought to myself well i I had done the event once before but that doesn't really change anything you know it's because i'm there doing it at that time and yeah i had to make the tough call to kind of like bail and get a lift back home and um yeah well I'll lift back to the tent and that's gutting you know and it really does set you back a little bit but it's important not to beat yourself up about those things and train within yourself i was recently on a training weekend um in the brecon beacons and one of our uh evertrekkers had recently just had covid um and also a few other things and was really struggling on the day because it was so hot and hard um and that can you know let the doubts get in but what i try to say is you know some days are like this in everything that you do um and if you are carrying like an injury or something like that it's important to just sort of acknowledge it deal with it train responsibly you know um nursing that injury but never give up um because that person did get around on the training weekend absolutely smashed it. Um, you know, I, um, another thing I had to turn around on Tupgal, um because I was unwell, um, you know, these things do happen. Um, but I guess what I'm trying to get at is that it's important not to let the setbacks become the story. Um, a lot of people, when they've got sort of issues with either health or injury, um, sometimes can, you know, that can sort of dominate your mindset. And I really had to try hard to not let that happen to me. Um, And, you know, yeah, failing on the Glencoe Challenge and failing to reach the summit of Tupacal, I'm not going to let that dictate. That's not the story of me. You know, there are other summits that I'm going to reach. And I've had a couple of setbacks. And you know what? Whenever you read a good book, it never starts off amazing, gets better in the middle and ends up the greatest. You know, there's always an up and down nature to these things, particularly the mountains. (laughs) Um, yeah, and one of the things I want to do is shout out one of the customers, Rich Brown. I uh, don't know if you're listening or not, Rich, but um, yeah, one of my friends on the weekend um, sadly had a big, big accident on the mountain bike, and um, yeah, paramedics had to be called. And yeah, uh, as uh, one of the paramedics was chatting um, and looking after my friend, he, he said, "Oh, Dave from Evertrack, oh, I'm booked with you." And it was um, it was just an amazing coincidence, and um, yeah, it just goes to show what this community is and what it means to everyone because. Um, yeah, a lot of you guys, you know, dropped me a message as well. And it's important. This is why we want the community. You know, when I was uh, had the knee injury, and I had messages from many of you that I that I kind of know of and then loads of people that I didn't know. Um, and it really did uplift me as well. So, you know, lean on your fellow Evertrekkers, lean on the group you're with, lean on your guide, and 100% it makes a massive difference. Um, cool. Uh, let's have a quick look at some comments. Oh, Jerome, sorry, Dave, some Achille in September, dry season, not a drop of rain at all. Fancy that, Jerome, and You know, completely undermining my point. But uh, but yeah, no, you know, the mountain weather is completely unreliable and, you know, it's the only thing you can rely on is, you know, the, yourself and the clothes you bring. I always say, you know, whenever I go hiking, whether it's in Wales or whether it's in the Himalaya or Tanzania, I always pack for four seasons. Um, that's the most important thing. You need to be fully prepared. Um, let's have a look at this um trekking community greater than the sum of your parts jerome hundred percent. I agree with that um gav uh, forager, not doing much trekking at the moment as you've torn the meniscus in your knee. Ah, gav, I feel you man, I feel you take it slow, mate, take it slow, little baby steps at a time, and you'll get there. um also, the knee braces that I use really did help. I know the meniscus is like more the shock absorber. Um, but the brace that I that I got that kind of um, holds it all together nicely is really good. Um, recently stopped wearing my braces now to try and like, strengthen the knee. But, um, yeah, absolutely great. Um, yeah, you'll never be left behind. Jim Blue says the Sherpas and guys are brilliant. Yeah, 100%. Um, like Gav Tuck been wondering who else is going on our trip not going to cross anyone in any of the groups Gav let us know when you're going mate and I'll uh, I'll see, uh, see if I can put you in touch with someone um, yeah so what I'm going to do now is jump onto a few more questions um, let's have a quick look, Kayla I heard leeches, okay we've covered leeches um, let's have a look uh, So Jerome has asked a non-vaccine-related question. Does each tea house on the EBC trail supply a pillow in their rooms? That's a good question, Jerome. You know, from what I remember, I'm going to go with yes, but I wouldn't 100% rely on it um, because I'm pretty sure the first trip I did, there was no pillows or blankets. But I think every trip I've done to EBC since, there has been. Um, So, you know, I would tentatively say yes, they, they will. Um, But again, um, I always, to be honest, have used um, like my duffel bag before. I've literally just put a jacket over it, put it on my head, like buried into it. And that's good. Um, Yeah. Awesome. So Gav said, yeah, the braces are really good. You're told off by the consultant, have to stop using the braces and stop limping, apparently. Yeah. I actually got told that as well, um, because you want to sort of, apparently you've got to push through um and if you use the brace then you'll just you'll learn to walk again with the brace so when you take it off you've not quite learned how to do that um so i have taken mine off but honestly i played it by ear um there were times when i was like do you know what i just want to get my exercise done like this is not about just repairing my knee it's about me staying fit as well um so yeah i would just like kind of throw one on do what exercises i need to do and then i would do specific knee exercises and where i took them off i still get what they call Everyone sniggers at this, but the doctor called it startup stiffness. Um, so yeah, when I like get up out of a car or get off a chair or whatever, I, yeah, my knee's always uh, still stiff, and apparently that's going to be there forever now. So that's something to look forward to. Um, Sarah Jane has said I have a ileostomy. Oh, it's a stoma bag for waste on my stomach. Can I still travel with you? um Sarah, i we've, we've been asked this quite a few times actually and i don't believe there's any reason why you can't um i would always check with your doctor first because they'll know more about your specific condition and um but as far as i'm aware you know it's nothing that you're doing you're not doing already here you're just walking um sometimes with the more technical stuff if you're climbing maybe that might be an issue but i'm sure it wouldn't be but all you're doing is just walking um, and everything kind of functions the same the altitude does affect you but it affects everybody whether they've you know they've, they've got the stoma or not so i would say 100 percent, yeah it's not going to prevent you from doing any sort of high altitude trek um the only thing that you uh need to make us aware of is that any you know relatable conditions that might affect your trek after speaking to your doctor you just let us know and Again, let your insurance know as well because it's really important that you're you know you're, you're completely covered. Um, yeah, but other than that, I think yeah should be fine. I will tell you what, it's really hard just to keep talking. Um, so, uh, uh, Kate said, I wanted to check that even if we are walking very slowly due to pace, we are not going to be left behind, even if there are fast people in the group. Especially, as I understand, there's 16 or 17 people in our group. You just wanted some reassurance that the guys are not going to rush you or say, walk faster or tell me I cannot continue. Um, So, okay, 100 percent, that's never the case. Um, So always, 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 we tell everybody that it's not about how fast you go. Um, It's about walking slowly, staying with the group and enjoying the trip. Now, there will always be people that are faster and go off ahead everyone's an adult we can't physically stop them so if you do get some people that just want to shoot off and run at their own pace then then they can but you are not going to be made to do that and as a result of that no one is told you're going too slow they'll be told they're going too fast maybe but no one else will be there are some times where you know we've had some people have a bad day and they're really really slow um, and then the guide might only just say something along the lines of you know we we just got to keep moving. It's not about moving faster. We just got to keep moving, um, and that's usually just so we don't end up be trekking late into the night or something like that. Um, but I'll be honest with you: we have had some incredibly fast and incredibly slow walkers from all walks of life and ages, and never once has anyone said that they've been um, pressured one way or the other. So, a hundred percent care. It's your trip. It's your pace, and you go how you need to. There'll naturally be times when you're, um, you know, going a little bit faster or a little bit slower. What I always say is that just do a bit of training, you know, so you're as fit as you can be. It's not about getting, you know, to this level or this level. It's about getting as fit as you can um, and then just walk steadily. You know, you should be able to maintain a conversation. There are times when you're going uphill and it's super steep. Um, and you'll be out of breath for sure. But the rest of the time, you, you should be able to talk as you're walking. And that's the pace we want to keep. If someone's like pushing on ahead and stuff like that, then just let them go. That's on them. I can tell you that I've seen people who are incredibly fit people rush at the beginning of an altitude trip and then be really struggling when they get higher up because the altitude has, has you know caught them. Um, and yeah, those people will say that they wish they just went slow at the beginning because when you do have altitude sickness, and you know you're the you're the you're the slowest in the group, and it's all because you didn't track, it's not a great feeling. Or because you didn't trek slow, yeah, it's not a great feeling. Um, Jerome said, "If it's difficult being on your own, I'll be a guest speaker going forward." That's a good point, actually, isn't it? You know what we could do, Jerome is uh, we could start something where we can get guest ever trackers. You know, you know, actually, I think that might be a goer. We'll get some people on, and we'll talk about. Um, Shine the camera on them, get the evertrackers to tell us about their experiences, uh, why they do what they do. I tell you what, Jerome, I'm liking that. I'm going to pass that off to the guys as my own idea. Um, yeah, so Jerome, yeah, stay tuned. You know, Andy is back next week, so I will have my guest, my guest presenter, and and also I think I don't know, but I like to think I've got a pretty good read on the evertracker community, and I think they all want Jody on um so yeah the more i think about it the more i think we want jody to come on the live um so yeah again i know we've done this before but if you want to see jody on the live why don't you comment with a J or a jody um or a running yeti or something like that you know to kind of really pile on like immense pressure on her um yeah that's fine um, awesome. So, uh, Jerome as well, keep keep asking these questions, Jerome. Um, Chitwan Safari leeches. Yeah, 100%. If you go to Chitwan, yeah, you, you could come into contact with leeches. Um, yeah, if there is, you can just tell people or rip them off or do whatever you need to do. I think Andy actually went to um, Chitwan and ended up getting a, a leech stuck to him. So, yeah, got to be careful. Um, Rachel Horton, apart from having good boots broken in, and good socks do you have any advice for looking after feet on a trek especially blister prevention treatment advice what's the best stuff to take with you um so yeah the best thing you can do first of all is you've got it straight away is boots socks and also um insoles as well um i think that uh, that's just as important i had a pair of um boots that i have bought the super feet trail blazer insoles um i highly recommend the super feet trail blazers they're quite expensive as far as um insoles go but mine have been in my boots now for years and they're absolutely brilliant um and then yeah a good pair of socks as well and multi- i tend to use the the lighter merino wool socks um by the way loving all of these jays and runners coming up awesome um Aliyah as well i said who's jody i'm new to this jody is one of the people that works for us she's the running yeti um she's on the other side of this wall now just doing some um doing the questions and things like that um feeding them through to me but um yeah i think we need to get her on the life um yeah so where was i oh yeah looking after your feet the other important thing and you'll see the sherpas do this as well and the and the the porters and and the guides and everybody they will turn up and as soon as they get at the end of the day they take the shoes and socks off they'll dry their feet out they'll warm them against the heat of the stove um you know and it's important to let your feet breathe and but also stay dry um so that's one of the things that i always consider i always you know take my hiking boots off take my socks off clean my feet let them dry and then wear a pair of like um i mean i'll show you what i've got on today Camo Crocs, Um, these are absolutely fantastic. I've always liked sliders and things like that. But um, yeah, one of the things that I really like is, uh, especially in the TOs, is you want to get up in the night and go to the toilet. You don't want to walk down there in your socks. You don't want to put your boots on. A pair of Crocs or a pair of sliders or even a pair of flip-flops, brilliant. That's what I would do. Um, With regards to blisters, now hopefully if you've got a good pair of boots that are worn in, a good pair of insoles and socks, you won't get any. Um but of course, it can still happen occasionally um zinc oxide tape is really, really good tape to sort of wrap around the hot spots um so you'll notice when you're walking that certain parts of your feet will get a little um yeah get a little hot putting some tape around those areas will prevent the blisters from occurring, and then if you do get some, you can still use that tape as well as a barrier um also there's also the stuff like compede I know people some people love compede, some people hate it. I've never had to use it. Um, I've mainly just used tape and stuff like that um, yeah and um, hopefully that should cover you off. but I think the biggest thing is that looking after your feet and making sure they're not wet or anything like that and if you do sweat a lot bring some spare socks with you and change them halfway through the day it does make a big difference because um, like if your feet are wet and things like that they can you know that can easily affect the skin as well. Awesome. Um, I can see Aliyah Malik has said, in regards to feet care, what about people that have plantar fasciitis, i.e. flat feet, fallen arches, muscles? I think I have flat feet, you know. I've never had anything diagnosed, but whenever I wear a pair of boots or a pair of shoes that have like an arch, it really pushes into my foot and causes quite a lot of pain. Um, now, with those, it, it's all about the insoles for me. It's all about the insoles. Um, and I know some people that have had that issue and they've... Um, uh, they've gone and got like custom orthotics made. So they're literally molded to the shape of your foot. Put them in your shoes and that should alleviate all of that, regardless of what's happening. Um, yeah, that makes a big difference. Uh, Jerome said, and talk, talk to your feet or talc. OK, talc. Yeah, so talc's a good one. I've heard it's quite bad for you in the environment. So there is these like ones that you can use as well, that, um, like these foot powders and stuff like that that make a big difference. And you can pour them in here to help keep your feet dry. It makes a big difference uh alia running yeti love that title yeah she is out running yeti does marathons i think half marathons um yeah running around like a lunatic she is uh okay what time is the welcome uh dinner to meet everyone for ebc and gokio is that the 8th or the 9th of october um so i think the 8th is the it'll be the 9th um because we used to have it on the 8th which was the day you arrived but we started to get Um, You know, the more people that we send on these trips, the more little complications we were having where some people's flights were delayed, so they missed it or they arrived super jet lagged and tired. So we've changed it to the ninth now after the day tour. Um, Yeah, so it's it's always on day two now after the day tour that we do the welcome meal and things like that. Awesome. So I'm just going to have a little look through. Uh, I can see some people's Jerome tell Jody to pop in and say hi. There's absolutely no chance, mate. No chance i've tried she's not she's not up for it today to be fair although it's tuesday it's kind of like a monday because yesterday was a bank holiday R.I.P. the queen um yeah so i'll But don't worry i'm gonna work on it i'm gonna work on it um yeah what uh, what's that still the same Dave? if you go into ramachap um so shona yeah if you go into ramachap on the second day obviously yeah we might have to kind of readjust things and have that welcome meal once we get to Ramachap um, or we might have it sort of earlier in the day um, because normally we do have a like a shortened day tour and then time for some food. So we might kind of fit it in around there. Um, either way, we'll kind of let the, the team on the ground make the call because sometimes it's a lot easier to do it. If we have a group of like eight, then if we have a group of 20 or 30 that we're transporting to Ramachap, yeah, sometimes it, it kind of changes. Now oh, there you are. She'll pop in one day, maybe. Um, awesome guys. Well, I know it's a little bit earlier today, but I think I'm going to call it there because I've answered everyone's questions um, and I've talked for 45 minutes straight, so I've run out of water. Um, normal service will resume next week, but we wanted to pop in and talk about some things that were important. Um, the one thing I would say is go back through the comments and find the link that Jody put in there uh, for the Nomad Travel Clinics. If you have any questions about what vaccinations you need, that's the link to press, put in the country you're traveling to, um, and it'll tell you everything you need to know. Um, Any questions as well about training our training weekends, or anything that you want to know about staying healthy on a trip and looking after yourself, again, there's an entire team of us out there that are just waiting to speak to you. So awesome. Anyway, guys, take care, have an awesome Tuesday, and I shall see you next week with my bearded friend. Bye
0: awesome, so I hope you enjoyed the uh, another episode of the Mountain Malarkey podcast um, yeah, that was certainly a little bit different wasn't it from the Tuesday tune in, but I hope yeah, you enjoyed it
1: I must say, you were brilliant on that episode Ant
0: <laughs> <laughs> thanks mate, thanks now if, uh, if you've enjoyed it don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe to the podcast um, You know, all these uh, podcasts we put together the episodes, trying to reach as many people as possible and if it's helped you, leave us a lovely review, um, and yeah, we'll see you again next week, yeah, all the best guys, bye I don't know.